The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two fine co-hosts, Nate Heininger and Shane Kelly. And this week, we are talking about Titan Station. Uh, Titan Station is a game that's been uh, on my radar ever since it was brought to our attention by its developer, who, as it happens, is one of our patrons. This is not the first time that we've covered a game on the show that a patron developed. Um, but uh, it was sort of unique because this guy was on our, our Patreon for a while and then said, hi, hey, I've, I've got a game and I think it might be up your alley. And it was definitely the kind of thing that is up our alley. Um, this is Titan Station is a first person adventure sort of Oxford English game. Dictionary defines <laughs> payola as practice of bribing someone to use their influence or position to promote a particular product or interest. And that's right. The short game is for sale. So, <laughs> right. listen, we we have to we have to we have to preface things here. We for sure Our do. Journalistic um, integrity, of course. Look, we're 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 not out here uh, uh you know, we're we're not the Washington Post or whatever, okay? No, we're you This know, is about I mean, community. We have a cool community. We do. That community also produces cool things, which I enjoy. And you too can pay us a dollar a month and we will play your game. It does not guarantee we will do an episode on it, all right? It does not guarantee we will do an episode on it. But when it is as down the middle, uh, you know, uh, bowling a strike uh, as a game like Titan Station is in terms of the kinds of game that we cover on the show... Sure, man. Like this is uh let me let me pitch what Titan Station is. Um and you will see why we are talking about it. Titan Station is a first person narrative adventure game in the sort of walking simulator space. Um so I would say this is a, a very brief pitch for this is, you know, Firewitch the Firewitch? That that's a good good title <laughs> actually. Good, I'll, yeah, I'll save that I'd one like, for something I'd, later. I'd Firewatch on a space station. Um and uh it has an incredible retro tech uh, sort of retro future aesthetic. Uh, so I was immediately drawn in and interested in playing this. So the, the vibes um, are pristine. On the this vibes state. are incredible yes. with this. Like you the just space the station trailer. itself, not pristine. No, no. <laughs> no, but like the, the look of the space station is incredible. So if you, if you watch a trailer for this, you'll immediately know what I'm talking about. Um, this is a, uh, it's a sort of walking simulator that takes place on a, Space station suspended above uh, Titan, the moon of Jupiter. I'm right about that, right? I'm not embarrassing myself by saying it's a moon of Jupiter. Is that what it is? I think so. Now, you said that, and I thought you were right. And then now that you're questioning it, uh, now I don't know. There's a lot going on. I just realized that I was potentially embarrassing myself. Titan is Um, the largest moon of Saturn. Saturn. Oh my God. I did screw it up. I was going to say Saturn, right? But then, because you can look out the window and you can see the, you can see the cool, you can see Saturn in the, in the, in the rings. And it's, it's really. God, I've just, I've just totally like shown myself as a complete, like, fell asleep in sixth grade you don't know uh, the science all class. moons oh. you don't know the moons of jupiter and saturn Nerd. i have to turn in my science fiction fan card now man yeah. like arthur um, c clark is spinning in his grave 
How many moons of Saturn can you name, Reagan? Can you name any? Can you tell me how many moons Saturn has? Uh, seven. We, well, we have been trying to open the show with more like discussion topics, so we're <laughs> yeah we're, we're turning this into a uh, middle school. Okay, Nate, I'm gonna uh, since I have looked it up, I'm gonna ask you to uh, also guess how no, many moons no, of Saturn. No, there see, are. Shane, we're riffing on Reagan right now, so uh... <laughs> I'll tell you who gets closest. <laughs> okay, how many, how many, Nate? It's not fair if I'm the only uh, one. Six. Reagan, you're closest. Nah. The answer is 83. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. That's no no moon. Those aren't moons. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. Can I name any of them? Can we name any of them? Nate, name name a moon of Saturn other Uh, than Titan because apparently we all. Damn it. (laughs) Um, Europa. Shit, that, was uh, that is a moon of Jupiter. That's Jupiter, yeah. No, God I know. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, which, which is larger, Titan or the planet Mercury? I'm going to go with Mercury. It is Titan. Titan. Ah, Mer- no. Mercury is, I know Mercury is tiny. Uh, okay. It's also called Titan. I have to assume it's big. Yeah, it is. Fair <laughs> enough. You big. Oh, All right, God. let's stop. Let's stop. Let's, let's, uh, we could talk. We could stop uh, orbital body uh, chat. Uh, I, think I have been thoroughly humbled uh, in front of our entire audience. So mm-hmm. um, now that my credibility is fully shredded, you can listen to some more of my opinions. You have to take my route, which just have no credibility to begin with. So you can't Absolutely. lose it whenever uh, you get grilled on the amount of moons there are. You know what? I'm glad this happened. I'm glad that I didn't just say that it was a moon of Saturn or Jupiter or whichever I said earlier. And now I don't even remember. Um, and I, I'm glad that this didn't go completely uncommented on and that, yeah. that someone I, someone took me to task. I want to I want to give a big shout out to Wikipedia uh, because that really <laughs> helped me uh, seem smart instead of stupid like you dummies. <laughs> really clutch. Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, where was I? Uh, we were, we were talking, talking about, about a video game. Yeah, we were talking about payola, right? Yeah. Payola, it uh, Webster's. No, um, <laughs> so the uh, so the, the developer um, uh, Joachim Larson, um, a Swede, apparently. Uh, I've only really talked to him on the Discord very briefly. He seems like a really nice guy, but basically, he dropped in to say, "Hey, you know, like the show." Um, and uh, he'd been supporting it for a little while, and when his game came out, he dropped some codes at us, and I thought, oh. That's really cool. I'll get to that soon. And then months go by and months go by and months go by. This came out in November, guys, I think. Um, and uh, and here we are finally getting to it. Um, I have a baby. That's my excuse. Um, I had a, had a, a, a two-month-old uh, when this came out, uh, or less, actually. So uh, I have an excuse for why I didn't get to this uh, when it came out. Uh, what's you guys' excuse? Uh, Reagan had a baby. That's yes, my excuse. That's a good well. excuse. Uh, <laughs> my excuse is you usually pick the games I play. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, but I was excited to check this out. And um, I'll say that the, the thing that really stands out about this game, um, Joachim Larson uh, apparently uh, is primarily a 3D artist by trade. He has apparently a pretty long history in, uh, in you know, AAA uh, as a as a 3D artist, you know, creating assets for games and working in large teams and whatnot. But as far as I can tell, this is his first solo project, and uh, he really went at it 
Like this is a really impressive game to be developed by a single person in terms of its tech and environments. Um, uh, Titan Station, it's it's built in, uh, I believe it's the Unreal Engine, and it is a fully 3D first person game with photorealistic um, textures and everything. Um, it's using all the modern tech. This is a game that like I played this on uh, my gaming PC. Uh, I have a 3070 graphics card, uh, so a decent, you know, relatively modern um, mid-range, you know, graphics card. And this made it go burr and really, really used it to the extreme uh, with uh, ray tracing support and DLSS three or two rather. I don't I don't remember the difference. Whichever one my graphics card supports is the one that it does and um, looks and plays incredibly for one of these. It's extremely photorealistic. Mm-hmm. It's worth saying, like our our show, you don't get a lot of graphics talk. Uh, we are kind of tech techies about it not like overly uh invested most of the games we play are like the happy story of a square meeting a rectangle (laughs) and uh you know like so we don't we don't get to play stuff that looks this good very often and uh titan station honestly like there was a moment where like i had just kind of gotten started in the game and i was like looking out the window at the planet as you do and like i was like holy shit you can see like fingerprints and smudges on this window like the level of the detail to say that the thing that impressed me the most about this game it is a little detail sorry to sorry sorry to to like damn it with faint praise perhaps here because i'm gonna say the most impressive thing was the reflections in the linoleum they're really impressive the linoleum looks exactly right some good looking linoleum incredible looking linoleum yeah, I knew I, Reagan was going to love this when I went into the first like living pod and the entire room is centered around a cathode ray tube television. Yes. <laughs> and, and a uh, conversation pit. So we have in, a, about in the, a conversation. Well, pit. so that's what I wanted to mention because yes, this game is beautiful. I played it on the steam deck, which obviously does not have quite the processing power that maybe you guys were playing it on, but it still looked really nice on, on the steam mm-hmm. deck. And I, uh, so I was, I was impressed by the quality, especially when you know that uh, one person put this together. But what really stood out to me as far as the design goes, and and I think my favorite part of the game, too, is that not just that it looks good. I really liked the aesthetic and the design choices that were mm-hmm. made. It, I, I guess, like, it's a, it's a very nuts and bolts futuristic game. Um, I, it's supposed to set in 1999, which is always funny when, when uh, you know, very funny when games do this. But it, it's a very like, you know, it's like Star Wars versus Star Trek when you're talking about technology, right? Like Star Wars, everything is gritty, falling apart. Uh, and Star Trek, everything is like glitzy and glammy, right? This is more of the Star Wars where everything is very um, like tactile and based off of technology that we might recognize today the thing that really stuck stood out to me is you're or like a good example of this is the you're dealing with a lot of passwords in this game and a lot of doors and a lot of codes and a lot of getting through <laughs> yes we'll codes. talk about that <laughs> and, and someone who uh who's real life has deals a lot with uh cybersecurity and stuff the uh the password hygiene in this game was driving me crazy, but anyway, really bad. <laughs> um, you have a you have a door code or a or a door key that you use to get through, 
And it's like this big, chunky, like Nintendo 64 style cartridge that you just like stick into the door and then input some things on the code and, and pull it out. And I, it just feels really tactile. And I, I really like that design. And, and you can hold items and you can look at it. And there's details on these key cards of like where it should be dusted and what, what glass needs to be kept clean for it to work on the, on the, on the doors, like little details like that really stuck out to me. Yeah, you definitely can see that this is something that like came from a talented 3D artist who's used to making detailed in-game objects. Um, to, to kind of explain the aesthetic a little bit further, um, like this is, so the, the premise of the game, this is the far future, 1999, uh, in a timeline where the space race started in the 60s and went so hard and never stopped that we have ships darting around the solar system, stopping at places like Titan for refueling um, in the far future year of 1999. And Titan Station is essentially a space station gas station that hovers above the moon uh, Titan and refuels uh, you know, ships. And it's kind of a shit job. Uh, but um, you're, you know, you're way out there. And it, the, the place has the look and feel of a place that was built in the 70s and has slowly degraded into the 90s. So um, some of the rooms look nicer than others. You have rooms where like, you know, it looks nice and modern. They have colorful, you know, almost shag looking patterned carpeting on the walls, things like the executive areas. The hallways are like dim and not all of the lights work. And there's like weird cables snaking across the floor. Um, the living quarters have this very 70s conversation fit pit vibe where you've got this like, you know, lots of burnt orange and avocado green colors in the in the decor. Um, it just looks really cool and weird in a 70s sci-fi kind of way. And the, probably the touch point in terms of the visuals, at least for me, was primarily the Alien franchise, especially uh, yeah. the first yes. movie, because Alien is like, that's like my like go to imagery for like slightly dingy seventies futurism. Um, the like, you know, the 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 shit future that was envisioned in the seventies, and that's yeah. kind of the vibe this is going for here. There's a designer who died a couple of years ago, sadly. Uh, his name was uh, was Ron Cobb, and he was the designer of the Nostromo for mm. alien mm -hmm. and he also designed the um uh the the time machine for back to the future oh i didn't know uh, that yeah nice. and and like his his look and even uh he also worked on star wars i think he designed the uh the cantina for star wars so nice. his his fingerprints are literally on the windows of this this spaceship <laughs> Yeah, the aliens is a good uh, or alien is a good touch point. I I felt that in this game, um, maybe it was subconsciously from the design because I was also feeling it kind of in the sense of dread that is uh, lingering through this whole game too, and the and the sound design as well was was giving me an alien vibe. Shane, do you know if he was the same person who designed the? Um, the semiotic standard icons that were used in the alien movie. Was he the same one who did that? I am not sure about that. I don't know exactly what I think he did the ship. I don't know if that was the same person or not. I don't that know. I'll try it. Had if to I have can, been a I'll, team. 
Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I, I always thought that was like a really interesting little like design footnote. Um, the 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 set designer, whoever it was, one of the people yeah, no, it says Ron Cobb. That was Ron nice. Cobb. Yeah, okay, yeah, did a a series of um, uh, like very cool oh yeah, looking, simplified uh-huh. iconography for the the spaceship. I remember on these. I've seen Alien. this before. They've got like icons for things like artificial gravity area or no pressure suit required that are just like little icons of a guy in space a spacesuit floating off and they 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 bring the entire vibe of like uh men pee here women pee here to concepts like laser warning <laughs> yeah that's, that's a really good way of putting it They're like it's like these are like the bathroom signs for a world in which getting vaporized in a vacuum is uh as mundane as which bathroom do i use which like, and then mm-hmm. Portal is riffing on with all of oh, their... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, th- these have been extremely influential and, uh, and you know, d- designers like even today still look to them, even though they were just sort of a weird thing that, you know, this guy created in order to have something to stick on the, the details, tiny details you'd never even notice in the background of the movie Alien, uh, which is, I love. I, I love the sort of story and design of these, but, um, but like... I definitely thought about these as I was looking around in Titan. I think there might even be like a direct line from these to uh, app icons on the home screen of an iPhone because they're that same rounded rectangle uh, look. And I, I don't, I don't know if I saw that a ton in, in, in signage. Uh, yeah, if you look around when I was Titan alive Station, in the 70s, which dude. obviously I was now, never mind. But I mean, I, that's pure speculation. I'm going to eat a pretzel. Yeah. Um, don't eat pretzels, Shane. This is a podcast. My God, man. What are you doing? <laughs> um, they, they don't like explicitly use those icons in this, although they would feel right at home in Titan Station. Yeah. But you can tell that um, uh, Joachim Larson has given some thought to the iconography use. Like there's, there's, there's no in-game map. There are maps on the walls telling you, you know, how to find your way around. And they have iconography on them that, wouldn't have been totally out of place on the Nostromo. It's uh, it's got that vibe, um, and uh, I I think it just visually on every level, this is a game that has given a lot of thought to this particular aesthetic. This is not a brand new aesthetic. Um, even you know games relatively recently, things like the um, the Alien Isolation uh, game has kind of taken a run at at this vibe. Um, but this is an incredible. Uh, it, like well-realized version of this aesthetic, um, especially considering that this is from a indie team of one dude. Um, yeah, you. If you told me this was a full-on, a full team developed mm-hmm. this game, I'd still say, great job. Yeah, you totally. know. Um, so uh, you mentioned like it, it can feel like you know faint praise for the overall game to say this is the best part of the game, but I think it. We say that just to fully highlight how. Like this really is something unique and and worth uh, walking around in and and I think does uh, you know if a if a walking simulator sounds like a boring concept for you you know it, yeah. it, it it's, I, like I would walk around yeah. this space station for yeah. a few hours plot or no plot it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it's just um, nice it, it's it's cool to walk around in a three D space I will say uh we the the look. You know, it's not weird that the look of games in this genre, which, you know, we kind of jokingly call 
uh, walking simulator, but really is, you know, I think that the nice name, which I, if I were making one of these, I would probably call it an environmental narrative game, but or uh, 3d adventure game. I think, you yeah, know, why not? We talk about point and click games. This is a 3d sure. point and click game. Yeah. yeah. It is a subgenre of the adventure game. And, yeah. um, the, I always say the, first person narrative exploration game, which is probably too wordy, but feels like it's, it, you know, that's what, that's what yes. I say when I talk about these, these I games. like, uh, f- first person narrative environmental exploration vania perhaps yeah. we all i i would i would say let's let's take the vania off of that because this is an extremely linear game so well i don't know <laughs> Reagan, there, no narrative Reagan, there's a door that you see at the beginning that you can't get into till you get a key later so oh, that's a metroidvania I, you're yeah, right that's I, a metroidvania you know, one locked right. door and it's a metroidvania and also i didn't realize that you could run until about halfway through playing it oh that's and, too bad and so that it's kind <laughs> of like that would slowed you down oh my god yeah it's kind of like a metroidvania for my personal experience though because i gained the ability to run about halfway through which <laughs> what an upgrade. which which made traversing yeah. the world a lot easier <laughs> when you but get what, I, what i'm trying jump, to say about this really <laughs> opens up <laughs> what i'm trying to say about about this genre is that um you know l- lots of video games kind of want to be carried by their graphics but mm-hmm. games in this genre are substantially scenery porn like Mm-hmm. And having really good design and really good graphics uh, pays off in a game like this more so than it does in like a game that's much more gameplay focused because you you really are wanting to have like, having something cool to look at is important in a game where you're doing, you know, essentially just walking around and entering passwords yeah, and, and having a story. You're spending time in the environment, right? Otherwise, most action oriented games you're burning through environments right mm-hmm. so you know if it looks now, good it's great but all that said we are 20 minutes in and we haven't really talked much about the story and this is a narrative game and also we haven't talked much uh about any of the um mechanics now the you know this is being a first person linear narrative <laughs> adventure game uh is uh you know not mechanics heavy or mechanics focused but we should sort of talk about some of that stuff as well. And yeah. I, I want to start by saying that, like, I, I don't think this game started very strong. I did think it got better as it went along. But my first impressions of the story weren't great. Um, this game begins with a sequence where so you you are playing as um, this guy, I believe his name is David. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, my got that right. Um, who David Miller, I believe. Thank you. Who um, the first, you know, it, it begins with like some title cards telling you like, you know, the the space race never ended. It started in the 60s. The year is 1999. We have a, you know, space station, spaceships flitting around the solar system, whatever it said. I don't remember the specifics, but that kind of that kind of, you know, title cards. And then we get an excellent scene of someone walking into the world's worst apartment, checking their email and going to sleep. And I can't say I liked that scene much. Um, and and all <laughs> no. of the and all of the uh, all of everything we learn during that scene gets re-explained to us in dialogue, like within the neck the first ten minutes on the Mul- space station. multiple times. Frankly, you right. you you basically learn that you don't have any money, and so you're taking a job in space. Because that's what a where, mysterious backstory. Yeah. He doesn't have money. He took a yeah. job, a and shitty then, job. And like, then multiple times early on, they ask you, so why are you here in space? And you're like, I need money. And it's like, 
that pretty much accomplished everything we learned in that opening scene was just saying i need money it, in a, in yeah. a i don't order. remember it's not, it's establishing long, any kind but... of stakes for why he needs money like apart from just there was the there was the, there's the, like a there's the, like the a debt collector rent. who bangs on his door and yeah. you know through a locked door there's a lot of talking to people through locked doors and over radios this is sort of like par for the course in this in this genre like there's a reason that that is the the way you do things in one of these it's much easier yeah. to make you don't have a to pretty environment to walk around it's much much harder to be able to make a game in which you interact in real time with a fully animated human yeah um, it's like fire uh, well we we mentioned at the beginning there's right. a, there's a lot of overlap with firewatch it, it's 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 often even more impactful too to yeah. not see the see right. the and firewatch like cracked that nut like that they yeah when we played firewatch i remember thinking like this is brilliant they've come up with a way to have fully voiced really human conversations throughout this entire game and not have to spend a billion dollars on facial animations and right. you know having a weird npc that no that, like, matter what are gonna break the immersion exactly you know, there's like, no way and then that was followed and, by everybody's gone to the rapture where they they had so many uh, you know people that were simply represented by like floating points of light and yeah the the whole the whole genre i i think the there's a reason we're talking about a lot of the when we talk about the best games in this genre we talk primarily about games from the 2010s and it has Mm -hmm. kind of fallen off because it is really (laughs) it's i mean this is the perfect genre if your premise works for uh, telling a, an interesting personal story that has no people in it at all. But yeah, that's yeah. a okay. very home, talking tiny sliver of narrative over yeah. radio or through yeah, locked exactly. doors. Yeah. 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 Or to so, no one so gone home where you're just it, talking yeah. to yourself. And that's a really tricky thing to do. And um, this game manages it somewhat. This game has a, uh, it has an interesting story to tell. It has a, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's like a super revolutionary sci-fi narrative, but like the, you know, you, the, we're, we're going to have a spoiler break at the end where we talk more specifics. I'm going to try to talk around the, the things that get revealed in sort of the first act or the end of the first act. It's not actually specifically divided into acts. I'm sort of, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, but like, this is a, it's a, you know, it's a sci-fi story um, about someone coming to this boring dead end job and finding that something isn't right here. Something is weird on Titan station. Now, one of the weird things on Titan station is there's no people around conveniently, um, except for one guy who only talks to you over the radio and another woman who also only talks to you over a different radio. Um, but th- there's a sort of a mystery inherent. Big innovation for this genre is to give you two radios. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, there's two <laughs> That's radios. That's a brilliant innovation. It is. Yes. Uh, it, I, I do want to call it, Reagan. It, it's not a dead-end job because they make, I think they make a big point where they say, uh, if you get through this job, you are you earn enough wealth to never have to work again. So oh, I, I, I don't. I saying that. Okay. Yeah, it's. I, I don't think they, well not a dead end job exactly but certainly a shit job I, I think it's isolated like a, for years yeah. in a space station I think a modern equivalent would be like an oil rig person you know that, yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah so um without getting into the the spoiler territory like what you're going to be doing through most of this is um speaking to a small cast of mysterious faceless people on the radio and uh wondering about their motivations 
as they give you sometimes conflicting instructions on what you should be doing. And when someone says, hey, I need you to go to the data center and uh, get in there and fix or reconnect the computers to the network or what have you, um, you know, you're, you're going around this, this space station, uh, sort of, you know, gopher style taking care of these tasks. And as you do that, you're continuing to find new clues to explain what is going on on Titan station. What is this weird situation that you're finding yourself in where most of the crew seems to be gone and, um, you know, the, nothing seems quite right. And um, overall, I would say the story is pretty good. I didn't really think the dialogue worked for me very well. And I, I'm not really sh- it's it, this is the kind of thing where it's like you kind of know it when you hear it, something about it didn't really work for me. Um, it's hard for me to put my finger on. It's easier to explain. Like I, I kind of was like, I almost bounced off that first scene where an unseen debt collector is banging on your door and just like nothing about it felt like a normal human interaction. So Um, I, I think that from a writing standpoint, the, the, the writer had moments they wanted you to experience and then basically built a script to get to those key moments that are in a lot of yeah, it, very tropey, you know, like, yeah, the, it's hard, the, to, you know, it's hard to let you, you can't like, um, like, uh, like it, we don't know what was in, uh, Joachim Larson's, you know, head while he was working on this or anything, but like it is, it, it's, um, it just overall, it kind of felt like, um, like, uh, like this, this needed, like, this is a team of one. This guy's, obviously an incredibly talented 3d artist. Um, and he had an interesting story he wants to tell here. And overall, you know, I played to the end of this game. I, I, I finished it and I, I enjoyed the story overall, but really like I, the, the dialogue never felt, never stopped feeling off to me in ways that were hard to explain. So I feel like it's like it, it, this needed, this needed a second team member, a writer, basically like it, it was, it was yeah. like, it's like, it's like the story and the the writing and the characters are like 80% of the way there, but like this, yeah. this, it needed a little bit of something. Um, I liked the, um, there's a, the, uh, there's sort of three main characters, uh, I guess four, but there's, um, the main character, David, he's just sort of like, you know, he's sort of a whatever, right. Um, guy wants to escape his terrible apartment and, and bad debts and, and, but like yeah. the there's uh there's the woman uh veronica or victoria victoria uh veronica veronica, veronica. thank you yeah um she she came off as like continually charming but holding back secrets and that's that was a vibe that i thought worked like i thought she was interesting um but overall it just sort of it just the, the characters m- m- kind of fell flat for me yeah. um and it it was like there was enough going on in the story to keep me moving from beat to beat, but it was it was uh, it was not there, its strength. There was um, which is tough in a game that's supposed to be a narrative adventure game, right? Yeah, I think the vibe pushed it forward. There was a, a, a consistent sense of uneasiness that I yeah. think was successful, but I don't think that necessarily came from the writing as far as the like the dialogue goes it was more about like set and setting and just the general desire to figure out what the hell is going on here 
Um, but I felt the same way. It felt very tropey. Um, you know, lot like lots of cliches and things like that that are good at moving the the story forward but not really how people typically actually talk. And there was another thing that happened. Uh, you know, you say David is kind of like a whatever. And it's true. Like, you really don't know anything about David. Um, but really, what really cracked me up, and I hadn't really experienced this in a video game as much. And I don't know if this was intentional or not. Um, but David works at a pace uh, <laughs> that is truly uh incredible and um you know when you're watching a horror movie you know and you're like no don't do that why are you don't go there why are you going in there Explode. like <laughs> yeah like i've never felt that uh um disconnect in a video game where i'm the one controlling the character being like no i shouldn't be going in here yet like i sh I, I really need to slow down i really need to investigate more but veronica's telling me to go this way or or jack's telling me to go this way. i'm just gonna go and do it because yeah, uh, a small example uh, of that would be very early on when jack starts telling you to do random stuff like you've just arrived you haven't even like put your theoretical like suitcase down yet and he's already telling you to go do random stuff and like i don't know man i'm calling hr at this point like <laughs> i'm yeah, alone the, on this mm -hmm. space station no one's even here like the things they're asking on? you to do you're like i shouldn't be doing this like and i and i do think part of that is intentional to for the yeah for the, the broader story so mm -hmm. you know we're gonna yeah. do spoiler breaks later but like still just like the 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 pace at which david is like catches on to something is happening and I've got to solve this mystery and get to the bottom of it. You've been on the space station for like 20 minutes and you're embroiled in a deep, deep. Yeah. Like, and I mean, you know, I also get it. Like, you know, it's, this is a, it's yeah. a maximum like five hour game and it's trying yeah. to move, move the story along at a clip. And um, our whole thing is short games and, and all that. But right. the, yeah. the, it, it just felt like, like buddy, like, yeah, he also just accepts, like, this is something I have to talk around because there's a, uh, there's a, a spoiler almost inherent in this but he he just like accepts like revelations uh, yeah like weird weird revelations like almost with, without question there's there's a couple moments where you know he discovers something something dark is going on on the station and he has a moment of oh god what's going on but there's other moments of revelation a little later in the story where where he just like learns something truly truly shattering about his own existence and it almost it almost felt like it went uncommented on he just sort yeah. of like so sort of like oh 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 really okay um <laughs> let's go but why where do like, i where do i need to go next not that i'm saying that i would have i think the game would have necessarily benefited with two hours of the voice actor going what does this mean or anything but like it, it just it did have maybe one a hour weird vibe yeah um, there's just there's a pace to it and the dialogue doesn't help it that just like that it makes you feel like mm -hmm. I, I don't know this is i wish we were being better at describing this yeah because like, i uh -huh. i do think you should we're i think we're ultimately saying you should check this game out so yes ultimately can, i do think this is worth playing you know sure. so you can figure this out on your own maybe someone out there can explain it better than we can it is a lot of fun um, yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah and I, it's just i you know and we're we're being i i suppose like you know uh this is tricky like you know it's it we're, I, I i play like oh i played like practically every like thing with a walking simulator tag on steam right like like i, I play a yeah, lot of I, these and this is like this is like you know 
seven out of 10. Like it's, it's like, it's higher than average. It's like, it's, it's good. It's, uh, it's, but it's, it's also like these kinds of stories are really hard to do and hard to make natural yeah. because it's inherently unnatural for somebody to spend five hours walking around completely alone, completing a series of, of increasingly complicated tasks, right? Like it's hard to build a story. Putting in shitty password after shitty yeah. password. After so, shitty password. so that's, it's hard to do. It's hard to make that naturalistic because but like it, it it feels a little bit at odds with like this is the most naturalistic looking yeah. uh you know space station i've ever walked around um so it just it you know it may, maybe this would have like maybe this sort of um vibe would have felt different if it was like we're talking about like cartoonish graphics or something you don't question people's motivations in that sort of scenario um so it's it's tricky um i would say like i will do again we're doing a spoiler break at the end um, this is a this is a story where there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. So even stuff that I had issues with at the beginning of the game, things like the fact that he has this, you know, this extended um, banal uh, trapped in a gray box apartment um, s- sequence at the beginning um, has on some level a an explanation um, that comes up later. I don't think it fully explained that you know, like, I don't think it fully said like, oh, wow, now what a payoff to that uh, to that slightly boring intro. But like it, it, it did at least sort of explain a bit about why it was so bleak. Um, yeah. And it's a it's a it's a good payoff. Um, and ultimately, I think it's a good story. Um, it just it just it's like there's a lot of weirdness to it where you could in any moment think like, wow, this is weird. We weirdly presented. So I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Again, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing the best job of explaining my, my feelings here, but if overall, I, if I, I can think, like, yeah, sorry. If I can bring another, another thing that like, I kind of liked this about it, but it also, it just made me laugh a lot. And I've already mentioned it a little bit, but you know, these games, the, the, the writers and the creators have to come up with something for you to do with your hands, basically. Right. They <laughs> yeah. have, they need you to be interacting with the world in some way. Right. And they need to put up like, false barriers something to like have you do something in the game so it's not literally just uh walking on rails right so with firewatch you had to like go in and check the uh the little caches or like oh there's smoke over there so i gotta go look at it right like there's a lot of you're looking at a map and you're trying to find these locations like those are the things that you're doing with your hands but they're really just to get to make it feel more like a game yeah, reasons to have you walk back and forth yeah. across the environment and and this one uh it's that like everything is blocked by a password <laughs> um and so you have to find the password for whatever it might be it might be a computer it might be a door um it you know it's usually one of those two things, but there's various iterations of it. And so you're walking around trying to find like, where's this little piece of paper that someone probably wrote their password down on, or where's their like little, um, tablet, you know, that yeah. looks like, uh, like a Etch-a-Sketch style, like tablet, you know, yeah, this, these this guys sure do love their puzzle Kindles. is like an office with 10 computers in it. And everyone has emailed their password to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and, so you've got to find the password and you'll figure out which computers. To, it, <laughs> and I'm, I'm that that's making me sound, a, making me sound a little worse than it is. That was a five minute 
it's fine. It's fine. This isn't even a criticism. It just it cracked me up the amount that you're like going around finding people's passwords, and ninety nine percent of the time the password is like pizza. Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Dog. <laughs> you know? I mean, hey, it was 1999. All our passwords were like that. Yeah. Can you remember what was your password in 1999? I, I, I actually was talking to someone about this the other day. No joke. For a long time, my password to Amazon, <laughs> the like core, you know, commerce of the internet was cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I would tell you, I, I, I went to you. a, I went, I went to a, a, a middle school, an elementary and middle school. They got a huge grant of money and computers from compact computers back in the nineties. And so every room this is very, we're talking about like, you know, I was in middle school, like we're talking about the nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but they had a full, not, not early two thousands, right? No, you're right. Full on just nineties, right? Yeah. By 2000, um, by Y2K, we were already in high school. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Um, the The entire school was networked and they gave everybody email accounts in like the 90s and middle school. Like we're talking, that was really weird at the time. Um, they also assigned everyone a password. Uh-huh. Um, and my password was two letters and four numbers. And I used that same password from middle school for everything until I was like 25. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I was pretty bad. <laughs> We're better now. We uh, are. I use a password manager now. Yeah. My password uh, is uh, cheese for like, you know, my bank and stuff like that. But I got it off of Amazon. I, I would I would tell you the password that I used back then, but I still use it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you noticed that I did not actually say what that password was. And it's because I'm pretty sure there are some places. Yeah, you still have some iteration, have some iteration <laughs> yep. of it out there, too. Um, but yeah, that like that that was all a little bit silly in this. But like, I also I don't hate that. I think that design is fine. The idea of like you know scrounging for passwords in a in an office. Like, what are you doing in like half of all the immersive sims in the world? You're you know you're scrounging around in various spaces looking for sticky notes where someone wrote a password down in order to unlock some lore and find another password for another computer. That's totally fine. I I'm not complaining yeah, about that yeah. aspect of this game. It just made me laugh. I just like it is very like, funny. Though. Damn it! I gotta find another. <laughs> gotta find another password. Okay, uh, there, and I, I did say that was like what this game does for puzzles. That's not entirely true. This game also has a kind of a mini game puzzle thing that it does occasionally that I can't explain the context of very much without uh, without also getting into spoiler territory. Um, but it is in some of the screenshots on Steam, so I don't think it's a spoiler to explain that sometimes it drops you into these sort of virtual environments. And you have to do some pretty basic but kind of interesting little block connecting puzzles where you use sort of Minecraft style clicks to, you know, to build little snakes of blocks that would connect to different things and, you know, create different numerical like, you know, it's like addition. So like you have like a, a block that says 100 on it and a block that says one and a spot on the wall that says 101. And obviously you need to kind of connect those two um, or three. So that kind of thing. And that that actually was actually I, I, I like that um, aspect of it. Though it, it, it didn't overstay its wealth, welcome. It was a simple, reasonable little puzzle that it threw at you only occasionally. And it did continue to build on itself. And so like puzzle wise, I give this game like a pretty 
good thumbs up. Like I don't go to these kinds of games for yeah. really challenging puzzles. I'm just looking for something to do with my hands while I'm interacting with the story. Yeah, you don't want that. Check. You yeah. don't want it to be uh, something that you're spending a lot of time on. In fact, I I got lost briefly because I just didn't. I couldn't find a stupid little tablet. Not on the games. This isn't a games all. It's just my own inability to be good at these types of games that is and, one problem with this kind of game is like you know if you miss some small environmental detail that's like the beginning of a cascade of clues um it can be tricky like you can end up i had a similar situation where i was i was um i i i was playing through there's a sequence where um like the objective is something like um reconnect the uh data centers to the network or something like that and i you know i got to that objective and I quit for the day and I came back to it the next day and I, I realized I, I had forgotten that so there's in, in in those areas there's both these computers that are like terminals that somebody would theoretically be using to I don't know check their 1999 email um, but there's also these separate computers that are there for actually controlling the data center things well obviously you need a different computer to get the message that says turn on the other computer Right, right. <laughs> and so I, I thought I had soft locked the game. I thought I was, I, you know, I'd screwed something up so badly that I couldn't progress. And I spent like a good hour trying to figure out what was going on. And I realized eventually that I was just mixing up which computers were which like I was using the wrong one. I was like, it has connect the thing to the network and I'm going into the computer and it's connected to the network already. What's wrong? And I was just being an idiot. So like it, it's, it's definitely possible to get screwed up on games like this, but it's not yeah, you know, yeah. It's not those bad. puzzles were okay. I I like the environment a lot for those puzzles, and I like the um. I it's they're certainly not difficult. They're pretty straightforward. I do think that the area that you're in for that uh, really feels a little copy paste. Like you're you're going around to these different server like rooms that are. I mean, I don't know if it's that. It like, makes sense. That like they're, computers only look one way in this in this world, yeah. and I. It, it, they didn't all even have the same layout. Like I, I, I kind of disagree with you there. Like if anything, this like, yeah, yeah. It, every area in this does have kind of like a, like there's, there's, you know, there's templates, but like, you know, there's a, there's a whole ass game. Like one dude, right. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it, um, I mean, if we're, if this isn't, I don't think this we're, we, we don't consider this a spoiler, I think based on, but once you get through that area, you get a, a bit of a shock, which was, yes. oh. uh, yeah. So one of my favorite you, moments in the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you, I forget you're, you're, you're moving on to the next area after activating the computers and uh, you go into this office and holy shit, there's a person there. Uh, are there people in this game? Uh, have they finally cracked the code on, on the walking simulator? Am I about to talk to someone? No, it's a, it's a corpse. Uh, and that's a pretty big spoiler. I don't know. If we, were we intending on actually sharing that you're finding I, a dead body? I mean, finding a dead body is like the pretty first sweet. clue in oh, finding I mean, yes, out what clue. I would That's spoilers. a clue. So fair yeah. enough, Nate. But also, I, I think it's probably okay. okay. We're, we're 45 yeah. minutes deep in this episode. Okay. We're yeah, probably okay, okay. talking about the fact that you find a corpse sometime in the first well, then, hour. Uh, it's still in the first third of the game, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, Well, then, if we're going to talk about the dead body, then I had a funny moment, too, where... I found the dead body and it's like, oh my God. And then I didn't notice. And this is again, this is just me. I'm bad at these games. I didn't notice that like the dead body had a, like a tablet in its uh, hands. And there was like a series of tasks that you were, that you had to do like in and around the dead body. 
And I was still able to do several of those tasks. And I'm like, what? What, like what a anti i found this dead body he's freaking out now i'm going and replacing a coolant tube like this mm-hmm. is very anticlimactic and then i realized like oh shit i just needed to click on the thing in the in the dead person's lap and it moved the story forward and then i was supposed to go and do the coolant tube and whatnot but it, it just it felt very strange to me for a minute this is just sort of one of the difficult things about design for this kind of narrative game there there's you know in just by the nature of being a video game, like the plot is essentially made up of like, you know, flags that you hit yeah. with your actions that unlock the next step in a in a sequence of flags. Um, and that is very natural in games, but not very natural in terms of life. And sometimes, you know, that when in a game that's like so first person narrative, you know, just focused on telling a story. Uh, it can feel very unnatural when you hit one of those moments where there's like, you know, something doesn't quite seem right about the way the flags are getting tripped. I didn't pick up the right object. And so somebody isn't telling me what to do next, that kind of thing. I had exactly that right at the beginning of the game, because your first sort of quest is to activate five computers and you find out and it's keeping a, a, a tag on the screen. How many of you activated You've activated one of five. You've activated two of five. And one of the doors is locked. And so you, you're you told, okay, you can skip that door. And then I went and activated three of five. And the uh, the the after I did three of five, the voiceover is like, okay, thanks for doing all of the doors, except for oh, that really? one, except for that one, but that's okay. You've done them all. So, all right, here's what I need you to do next. And it still said three of five at the top. Super confusing. And it moved on to the next quest. And I was walking back and I realized that I'd walk past a door because I'm bad at these games. And it still let me go in and do all of the stuff that I would have had to have done in that room, Hmm. like activating the computer. I got all the dialogue. I got all the stuff. But it, it was... Like, I, I think I could have just not done it because I'd already like triggered the end of that that quest, if that makes sense. So the game, yeah. the game expected me to go one, two, three, four, five. And I went like one, two, three, five, four. Mm. And it and it like confused it, you know. That kind of thing must be very hard for this I, kind of game. Because it's oh, not like I'm there was sure. a door, you know, that you have yeah. to like pass through um, in order to get to like five or whatever. Yeah. I, I um. Yeah, I I, like, I didn't. And that, those it, are the kind of things where, like, you, you the, even if it's like a minor thing, you start seeing the seams a little bit. And in a game like this, like you notice, I don't. I I mean, I played enough of these where, like, I don't judge a game for that kind of thing. I'm like, I no. I am the one who is who am wrong. Um, but you know, I could see somebody being frustrated in a moment like that where something doesn't quite make sense because you know, narratively, what I'm doing makes sense, but maybe according to the like intended path and what flags I've tripped in the game, it doesn't. The good thing is it didn't seem to impact my play other than the 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 moment of confusion when it said you're done and I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, um, but I was able to still do everything and, and whatnot. And I think I was able to pretty quickly figure out like what had happened. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know it. I open world is hard to develop, right? This isn't exactly open world, but like these little chunks are like open world moments. So mm, totally. 
So I think without getting into spoilers, that's about all I have to say about Titan Station. So what we're about, we're, we'll talk spoiler stuff here in a moment. But before we do, in case you are avoiding spoilers and are hopping off here, uh, thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, Titan Station, again, is a game for uh, PCs. It's on Steam. I believe it's also on GOG. And some things I saw seem to indicate it was also most it might be planning to come to consoles like maybe the PS5 or something. But um, I, I don't know what the story is there. I believe this is currently just on PC. Um, I would definitely recommend this game for anybody who is a fan of the genre of quote unquote walking Sims. Um, I don't think this necessarily would be like my first recommendation to somebody, you know, somebody's first walking sim. But if you're into these kinds of games as I am, I think this is a totally worth playing one of those. Um, it's got a interesting story that kept me going through the entire, it took me about five hours to play. Um, and again, we spent the first 25 minutes of this episode just praising the visuals. This game is an absolute treat for visuals. It looks awesome. Um, I just love the way this game looks. Um, so really worth playing for that reason alone. I'll, I'll just, if I can throw in, I'll say I don't, I, the more and more we get into the genre, the less and less I think that I'm actually a big fan of this genre. And with that said, I enjoyed playing this game. So I would, yeah. I would still recommend it. And I am a big, big fan of this genre. Like you make a game where you're walking around and talking to somebody on a radio and I'll play that, that thing, man. That's, that's my, my zone. Um, this is uh, $15 on steam. Uh, I assume it's the same everywhere and uh, I would recommend you check it out. And uh, I think I already mentioned about about five hours is what it took me. I think you could probably, if you did a little less getting stuck in the middle, I had I had a good hour where I was wandering around trying to figure out something that was turned out to be my boneheaded, uh, you know, um, yeah. oversight of something, same some vital moment. So probably I would say like a four hour game is is more more likely. And I even saw some people reporting like two to three. Um, but uh, it depends on how how you are with these. Um, so totally recommend checking it out. And let's see. Um, this is uh we're about to go to spoiler break so thank you for joining us on this episode of the short game you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net or our cool jumping off page shortgame.fm shortgame.fm wow. on shortgame.fm you'll find all the links that you need to find and contact any of your many precious links you can find everybody's mastodons and twitters you can find uh, a link to obviously the website you can find a link to our patreon all of our patrons even just a dollar a month get instant access to we will talk about your game on the podcast <laughs> uh excuse me we uh, that's not true you you can absolutely if you uh, listen okay if you're a patron of the a show shot. and you make a whole ass video game i will 100 percent play, we'll play i will it. not guarantee yeah. anyone that i will talk about their game on the podcast you don't just get that with paying me five dollars or whatever but i swear to god eh, if you yeah. are a video game developer and you want me to play your game i promise i it's will a good it's a group <laughs> it's the most direct way let's be honest exactly I mean. but also um, <laughs> every time it works I mean, the price and, goes up yes <laughs> <laughs> and you know and sometimes it's a titan station where i don't play your game for months and months and months and then we featured on the podcast sometimes it's a uh um uh uh uh, combo, combo postage, postage yeah. uh, where I become obsessed with your game and play it for dozens of hours over the course of two or, years. Uh, and yet never officially yes. cover it. 
I never officially cover it on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, man. The, uh, the Slothworks games. Um, I think we were into his games before he joined us, though. That's but, true. Um, That's true. Yeah, Crummit's Tale. Oh, man. Yeah, it's um, a great game. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> join our Patreon, I guess. Um, thank you for, for supporting us. Uh, it's been a good yes. year for the Patreon, and we're putting those funds to good use. Um, we really appreciate it. You know what I want to say to our patrons? What do you want to say to our patrons, Shane? Thanks, patrons. Patrons. <laughs> Is that a Scientology thing? <laughs> um, and uh, I'm out of stuff to say. So I guess we're going to go to our spoiler break. Here it is, your spoiler break. This doesn't have to be long. I just want to say that I think this game, like, it's it's a it's a game about, uh, you know, our AI's people, basically. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I think it was a decent one of those. And I, uh, I will say that I was not expecting that the main character was an AI, but it explained a lot about the kind of weird beginning of the game, which felt like it was written by an AI. That's what I, so that's where I'm like, is that, is all of it intentional? You know? No, I don't Um, think so. I I don't don't think, I don't think you can hand away like, like that's, that'd be nice. If it turns out well, like the idea that like, you know, that, that all that most of what you see about this main character's life before the game is this like incredibly tiny uh, apartment. And uh, it explains that like, you know, they gave him this shitty backstory in order to act as a motivation. A big problem with AIs is they need to motivate them. So they give them the backstory of, of their, you know, their life before coming to the station. And it's all pretty bad. And so they're like, wow, what a great job I have here on, on, you know, death station alpha. Um, and like that, that, that scans, it's fine. Um, the thing that I did like about this was the, there were, there were moments between the various AI characters, all the characters in this, all the speaking characters in this are AIs with maybe, I guess, what's her name? Like Angela or something. I think she's not. Um, but Victoria is, um, Veronica, Veronica, I keep mixing that up. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Veronica is an AI and so is the, um, guy, John or whatever, um, that keeps yelling at you through the, through the walls. Um, it's Jack. You're so close. With I'm that. really bad at this, guys. <laughs> um, its conclusion was decent, although not like especially like deep. It was, you know, these AIs now have to figure out how to how to go on with their existence now that they know that they're living in a simulation and and uh, and so on. Um, I think yeah. I, I would have liked a little bit. I think those revelations, I think, actually could have come earlier in the game. I think I would have liked more of the AIs trying to figure out like, well, what is what is our existence actually going to be now that we all know that we're living in a simulation? Um, uh, And uh, I was reminded a little bit of Thomas was alone with some of that. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I, I think this is a this is like a this is like a B plus story in like a plus 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 visual presentation. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I was, I was left kind of like, huh, for yeah. most of it. It's so close. You know, I think mm-hmm. good, good sci-fi asks a good question, right? Like mm-hmm. it boils down to a good question. And I think the question on this game is pretty good, 
And so you've got a good core and you've got a good... Is that question, what if you owed money in space? Yeah, <laughs> obviously, that's the question. Um, <laughs> that would suck. Like, owing money <laughs> sucks and owing money in space would be even worse. Uh, so Does it's owing a good money suck more in a vacuum? <laughs> I finally someone asks the good question. So uh I think this game has all the all the um all the ingredients, you know, for 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 a good for a good pie here. There there's just just a little something that's off and I and I do think uh even if it's intentional that the writing is a little staggered and a little tropey um I think we need to have been informed more directly that that was intentional. To, it, it, you just, know. it has moments where it really did work. Um, it has a lot of dialogue choices that don't add up to much. And it has a lot of like, um, but like overall, like it has moments that work that there yeah. were, I think like, I think of some moments between the main character and um, Veronica um, where they were talking about like, like there's a moment where you're like they, they, she takes she's living in one of the computers on the space station right and um and she's been cut off from the network and part of part of what you do as when you're essentially kind of like breaking out is you go and enter her computer world and kind of bring her out with you in your body so that you can escape um and there's a moment late in the game where they think that they're doomed and and she's saying you know that she realizes that when they left the computer that she was on, they actually left copies of themselves behind. And even though they're doomed, they take some comfort in the idea that there's a, another copy of them out there that is continuing to live in a world that was at least tolerable. And I thought that was a great moment. And there's like little moments like that, like this idea of like, what well, what is it to be a consciousness that can be copied or altered, that kind of stuff that landed pretty well i think that's what i was talking about earlier when i was saying like the writer or you know joaquin when they're writing like what they the the pieces that they wanted to write those those big moments those big set pieces those big reveals or whatever it's good you know and and like that set piece uh what shane was talking about when you when you first find the dead body like it's good like that was shocking and and fun but it's all the stuff that's like in between those key moments where you can tell that like this is what this game is here to do is where it felt like it needed another coat of polish, something to just get it, get you in between these core moments a little bit better so that they they all they all connect. Yeah, and you know, this is something you hear from like narrative, like from from writers on games, is that like some of the hardest stuff is the the little stuff that you don't think about, like quest givers telling you what to do next, barks in the background of of characters making you know, uh, yeah, s s words that can might potentially be played anywhere, like these little like the connective tissue and sort of background of yeah. of games writing. Um, that's really hard to do. Um, and this game, you know, it. Like I agree. I think I think like some of those like some of those like thematic moments uh work pretty well. Um, but some of the like connective tissue, those moments of like, you know, talking through a door to an angry boss who tells you you need to go turn the computers back on, um, like it just 
felt off. It takes, I think it takes a, a special kind of writing to turn those like really mundane moments into something that like feels naturalistic and also yeah. like uh, maybe compelling. So really a, 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 at least an interesting enough story that I was, I was engaged through the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. So thanks again. If you stuck around for the, the, the spoiler break, um, let us know what you thought of the story. Um, write to us. Uh, and you can find us on all the places I mentioned earlier. Uh, I'd like to hear people's uh, people's thoughts on the game if you check it out. Um, also, uh, we are uh, we've just been talking behind the scenes. We got some really nice positive responses from our last episode that was uh, sort of a more loose topic oriented kind of thing. Um, and we are talking about changing up our schedule to make that a recurring thing maybe once a month or so um not specifically that topic but sort of a more loose uh non-game specific sort of thing and so if you have topics that you think would be a good fit for that style of episode if you enjoyed that episode and you say ah i really want to hear reagan and nate talk about pizza pizza I, why did we just both think of pizza exactly? <laughs> when I when I think of Nate, I think of pizza, as yeah. we all know. Um, if you have a thought like that, maybe not specifically pizza, uh, mm. let us know because I would love to start, you know, banking a few of those ideas and uh, make that part of our rotation. Um, so thanks very much for all the listeners who told us that that was something that you wanted. Awesome, uh, and uh, thanks once again for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. <laughs>